0: This podcast is a part of The Profile, Hendrix College's student-run and student-funded news magazine. The Profile uncovers the smart edge of campus culture, the people, places, ideas, and trends that students and faculty want, need, and ought to know. For more features, opinions, and other exciting content from the Hendrix community, be on the lookout for issues every month throughout the school year. You can also visit us online at hdxprofile.com and on Instagram at hendrixprofile. Welcome, everyone, to the very first episode of the Profile's new podcast, I Heard It in the Calf. Our goals in creating this podcast are to share the issues presently affecting the Hendrix community in an audio format. So, if you're tired of reading, then you can keep up to date with the latest issues anywhere you go by listening to this podcast. We hope you enjoy. For the first episode today, we have two guests joining us who are going to talk about recent developments in Arkansas legislation that are a little concerning, to say the least. Um, One issue involves the anti-trans legislation that's going on, and the other is the anti-abortion legislation. And we think that these are very important as they affect the Hendrix community quite directly, especially us being Arkansans. So it only makes sense to make this the first topic. first person we have speaking today is none other than Roth Coates. So Roth, why don't you introduce yourself? <laughs>
1: Hello, uh, my name is Roth Coates. You can call me RJ. I'm a senior here. Uh, I'm majoring in interdisciplinary studies, specifically behavioral economics with a minor in politics. Uh, and I am the president of Transit Hendricks, uh, which is our transgender representation and advocacy network and support on campus. And then I am also a fact checker for the profile.
0: What I wanted to ask you about is the recent like anti-trans legislation in Arkansas.
1: The biggest thing is the one having to do with uh, medical professionals being able to uh, follow their conscience mm-hmm. is the words they like to use. And so the, the real issue is is not that, you know, I'll get in a car accident and not have a paramedic uh, serve me if I'm in a life death. Defer- or death situation uh, because emergency services are not covered by the bill. Um, the issue is more with having to be nervous about those kinds of things. So we've been having a discussion on campus uh, along the lines of what happens if a person goes to Conway Regional, uh, mm. because we know that the people on campus, specifically Nurse Nisi, are wonderful about mm-hmm. serving trans students. But the the fear comes in when you're dealing with specialists, stuff like that. Right. Um, because in a lot of cases, what's life-saving for a trans person uh, may be considered an optional surgery for somebody else. And then outside of the surgery realm um and its implications on mental health for trans people just thinking about you know trans people also have medical issues like every other person yeah. and so a doctor being able to deny their care when they're the best person at treating someone is really stressful because yeah. you know you're getting a lower quality of care just because that doctor doesn't think you're a person mm-hmm. so that that's kind of my general opinion on that one um moving on to uh the one regarding children and medical um Medical treatments. I think it's important to acknowledge that the bill is poorly researched um, from from the get go um, because it is concerned with children surgically and medically transitioning. Mm-hmm. Um, And the biggest concerns are, one, surgeries, which very rarely happen on children. Um, And when they're happening to adolescents, it's typically 17-year-olds getting top surgery. Um, That's what you're looking at. The other uh, group of people getting surgery are intersex people who are getting uh, gender reconstructive surgery at birth that are not consenting to it. Mm -hmm. Um, So this bill has nothing to do with stopping us from, you know, affecting intersex people and changing their genitals um but it does affect kids who are specifically you know 17 year olds uh teenagers who them their parents and their doctors are consenting to these things because it's what's good for them and their mental health and this is being denied um so in terms of surgery that's my opinion on that and then uh it also has to do with hormone blockers uh which are something that not just trans kids use uh mm-hmm. they're also used for cis children uh cisgender children's c- children who identify the same way they were assigned at birth um who are experiencing puberty too early. Right. Uh, so if you have you know, a nine-year-old who's going through puberty, uh, that's something you'd use puberty blockers yeah. for. And you can say the same argument for trans kids. They're not ready to go through puberty. They don't want it. They're not ready for it. Mm-hmm. And by using puberty blockers in adolescence, you can actually prevent worse mental health issues and later stuff down the line. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is taking away the most important preventative care for trans children. Um, and then the fairness in women's sports act, quote unquote, um, I think it boils down to an issue of they're saying it's a feminist issue Mm. of that there are people who are assigned male at birth uh, competing in women's sports. Uh, But the response is, and this is something I've talked a lot to the uh, Transit Hendricks advisor because he does have his degree in biology, Mm -hmm. um, and I do not, is talking about the vast range of bodies in professional and even Olympic athletes. You can have professional uh, Olympic quality athletes where the women are almost seven feet tall, or almost five feet tall. Mm -hmm. Um, Same with weight class. So if people really did genuinely care about these so-and-so, you know, uh, height or weight advantages that come from being assigned male at birth, they would be separating sports by weight classes or height classes. You know, the legislation having to do with calling students nothing but their pronouns and name Mm -hmm. on their birth certificate. And then um, also it is an extension of a bathroom bill. That's just obviously transphobic. Yeah, um, yeah. So just talking about that, that leads into, you know, the big deal with these pieces of legislation are, yes, what they're doing, but also some of the, there's a range of they do things that are life-threatening to they do things that are inconveniences. And mm-hmm. I think it's important to acknowledge that not every one of these pieces of legislation is actively threatening the life of someone when it comes to medicine Mm -hmm. they're not saying doctors can kill people that i think that's important to acknowledge but trans kids are at such a higher rate of um you know mental health issues Mm -hmm. completing suicide it's absolutely like trans kids that grow up to be trans adults it's incredible that they do yeah um because of those high rates Mm -hmm. and so even if it does not even if a bill does not give the a doctor the ability to deny emergency services doesn't mean it isn't threatening the life of someone Uh, because by denying those general services those transition services and also creating a world in a medical situation in which you have to be scared mm-hmm. um, and you should be scared is something that's going to deeply affect the mental health of both trans oh, yeah. kids and trans adults.
0: All right. So next up, we have Bailey Lindsay here to talk about some more Arkansas legislation that has been questionable recently. Mm-hmm. So Bailey, why don't you introduce yourself?
2: Yeah, so my name is Bailey Lindsay. I am the president of Young Democrats here, and I'm a graduating senior um, politics major. So, this is just kind of what (laughs) I'm interested Mm -hmm. in, what I'm talking about. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, I'm here to talk about specifically abortion legislature, and it's been particularly eventful in the Arkansas legislature this year, specifically after the appointment of Amy Comey Barrett and to. The legislature arkansas republicans in particular have really made it their goal to create legislation that would ultimately go to the supreme court yeah um and so specifically the most um like the biggest piece of legislature that was passed by the senate house was the one that would ban abortion completely even for victims of rape and incest mm. or perhaps more like, like survivors of rape and incest um And so, this obviously received a lot of blowback, not only from um, Democrats, but other Republicans who questioned the need for um, an abortion ban, uh, specifically for, with making no carve-outs for victims of Mm -hmm. rape and incest, and, um, but time and time again, they're just repeatedly, it's pretty obvious that they just want this to go to the Supreme Court, and they want their name attached to um, the, the, the ultimate, uh, like, Roe v. Wade, uh, overturning that, um, it's, it's doubtful that that will actually be picked up by the Supreme Court. Um, since then, they've the Supreme Court has been, like, not picking up these cases and have pulling precedent that Roe v. Wade set, like, decades ago. Mm-hmm. Um, however, it is a possibility, and Governor Hutchison himself, whenever he signed the bill in law, he said that he himself didn't agree with not creating carve-outs for those groups of people, but he, wanted, he did not disagree with the notion that the Roe v. Wade should once again be challenged in courts. And so that's why he signed it, that's why a lot of Republicans ultimately signed it. And it will go into law. It was supposed to be going into law ninety-one days from the end of legislation legislature, which was last Tuesday. Mm. Um, but the moment it goes into um, into into act or it, <laughs> it becomes enacted, mm-hmm. um, it will very likely on the very first day be. Um, stopped by federal courts or for different oh, district courts. I see. So there's a reason, because in 2019, we passed a similar bill. Um, it wouldn't necessarily, the one that was passed in 2019 didn't ban it outright. It would um, ban abortions after um, a heartbeat was detected after 18 weeks. So, mm. and those are known as the heartbeat bills. And that yeah. was kind of like a trend that happened in state legislatures across the United States. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but... Um, so like that is law in Arkansas, the heartbeat bill, but it mm-hmm. was it was kind of halted, and it's been halted since 2019 um, because the federal courts have kind of said like, hey, <laughs> this is not constitutional, and the Supreme Court hasn't taken it up, so it's been kind of like, in leeway since then. Um, so it's very likely that that will also happen. Um, it's actually, and it's it will happen <laughs> whenever this law goes into effect uh, in probably August or something like that. It will be halted probably by a district court judge. And then their hopes, I the legislature's hopes or the Republicans' hopes at least is that um, they'll appeal that and then it'll hopefully get appealed all the way back up to the Supreme Court, which once again, we don't know if it actually, the Supreme Court will also take it. Mm-hmm. Uh, also because we weren't the first um, state to actually implement or to pass an uh, outright um, abortion ban. So right, it could literally be anyone else. Yeah. <laughs> so it it seems dark and dreary. Um, but there are checks and balances. Luckily, by yeah, the so courts to like in place to halt it. So it's it's unlikely that there will be an outright abortion ban yeah. in Arkansas. Um, but that doesn't really change the fact that there's like limited access to abortion at all mm-hmm. in Arkansas, and they have put more and more limitations in place.
0: concludes the first episode of the Hendrix Profiles new podcast, I Heard It in the Calf. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time on any platform where you can listen to podcasts.